to frame this discussion, uh, I should tell you a little bit about uh, what I do. Uh, and a lot over the last year, um, I've been integrating my career in music and my career as a professional city planner. I work at the University of Pennsylvania um, and I do professional city planning. And the last year has really brought into sharp focus um, the ways that music does and doesn't work in cities. And music has a specific time and place and context where it exists in the city. And very frequently that's at night and it's in specific kinds of spaces which are governed by the way cities work or don't work, the way transportation and public safety serve these places or don't serve them, uh, the way that um, workers uh, who exist at night are seen or unseen and the way that nighttime is either supported, demonized, celebrated, um, and you know everything in between. And so thinking about what nightlife is to a city what has happened to nightlife over the last year and what a new and better nightlife uh, could be uh, in you know, any city, country, town where music uh, is to be played or, or enjoyed. Um, that's really integral to, to um, thinking about the, the future of music and the future of you know, community expression which is often centered around, around music. And there's so many different communities in all of our, all of our cities that use music as kind of like a fire together, right? And um, so making sure that we have a role for music and a role for music venues in cities and that they're supported uh, adequately is, is um, something that should be on all of our minds and something that should lead all of us uh, as we have over the last year to get involved in government, uh, in advocacy to governments, um, community organizing and all the other things that we've had to do to just try to advocate for our own survival. Um, so I'm really pleased to uh, be moderating this panel, the subject of which is re rethinking nightlife, but I should tell you um, the, the uh, session description, which is that um, music is a part of nightlife and nightlife industries are more than music. During the pandemic, nightlife was further challenged, including restaurants, hotels, bars, and other venues. For some cities, nightlife became daytime or just closed with curfews and bubbled out into unpermitted events. Where do we want to go for robust local nightlife? And for nightlife industries, what practical actions and strategies are needed and planned for recovery? Um, so as I said, my name is Michael Fitchman. Uh, I live in Philadelphia. I'm a longtime um, music producer and DJ. I'm also a professional city planner and a lecturer at the University of Pennsylvania's Penn Praxis. Um, and I am an editor of a global effort called the Global Nighttime Recovery Plan, which is bringing together a lot of uh, people and ideas and uh, strategies for supporting uh, nighttime arts and culture. Um, and I'd like uh, to ask each of my uh, three colleagues here to introduce themselves in a sentence or two, um, starting with Mike Bell. Thanks, Michael, and thanks, Gigi, and everyone at Amplify. Um, my name is Mike Bell, and I am the co-founder of the New Colossus Festival. We are a showcase or internationally showcase-based showcase festival happening on the Lower East Side. Our last edition was the uh, March of last year. Um, we might be the last um, 
pre-COVID festival. Um, and yeah, that's it. Scott? Awesome. Uh, thanks, Michael and uh, Gigi and Storm and uh, to everyone at Amplify for having us here. Uh, I'm Scott Pluskalek. I am the nightlife business advocate for the city of Seattle. I operate out of the Office of Economic Development and uh, I work to support and grow our nighttime economy here in Seattle and um, support our uh, nightlife venues. Tara. Hey everyone, my name is Tara Duvivier. I am also a planner, um, like Michael. I work for the Pratt Center for Community Development, which is based in Brooklyn, New York, out of Pratt Institute. We work with community groups and provide technical assistance related to land use and other, so they can advocate for themselves. Um, I also moonlight as a DJ, so um, that's how Michael and I ended up meeting in terms of just Similarities. I didn't know that there were there are a few planner DJs out there. Um, <laughs> there are. I mean, there are maybe I can count like on my hand. Um, and I am also honored to have worked with Michael over this past year for the with the nightlife, the global nightlife recovery plan. I worked on chapter four related to nightlife workers and the impact the pandemic has had on them over this past year. So that is actually a throw me an alley-oop here for the first topic of, of discussion, um, which uh, I'd like to start with you, Tara, actually. So we've seen this broad impact of the pandemic on nightlife over the last year. Um, to your mind, what has been, uh, if you had to choose one thing, the single most profound effect of the pandemic on nightlife? One thing I can, oh, I would say for me, um, at least the most impressive thing that I think that I've seen, um, and I shouldn't be that impressed because I think part of um, what what has grown nightlife over the decades has been this, um, you know, people of different groups coming together and really having nightlife as a refuge for them in terms of just being able to go out, not be, uh, you know, assaulted or, you know, just um, targeted for who they are and really finding like community in nightlife. Um, but just, I was very impressed to see the level of community and how it stepped up even further over this past year. Um, definitely people helping one another, you know, whether it be on a micro scale, just DJs, other helping other local DJs that they, they may know to larger um, like efforts such as the Global Nightlife Recovery Plan. Um, new organizations have come up with such as NEVA and the um, in New York City, we have New York Nightlife United, which is another group that came up out of this. Um, and then just like a lot also um, people immediately kind of went to action as far as like trying to raise money, understanding that people's income was immediately wiped out. Um, so just seeing the level of community and how that stepped up over the last year has been one of the most profound things that I've seen. Yeah, I, I would second that. I mean, the, the degree that we all found common cause, uh, especially for, Industries that people often think of as being kind of crabs in a barrel industries, um, people banding together was was certainly nice to see. Scott, I was wondering if you could, um, especially in in the light of of what you do professionally, which I'm I'm not entirely sure many people will know what a nightlife business advocate is, but from from where you sit, what have you seen as as being the most profound um, impact of the last year? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I, I guess to maybe simplify it, um, my role is part of the, you could call it one of the night mayors, the night managers um, that have, have sprung up around the world over the past couple of years. Um, but, um, you know, I was thinking about this, there's a few things, um, but 
uh, um, one is, you know, we with this trend of night managers, nightmares, there was a there was a blossoming of an understanding that nightlife was an asset and not a liability, and that we needed it as a, an essential part of um, our economy and of our city's vitality and 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 um, our just as a community. Um, I think that the, the the pandemic has accelerated that. Right, we just we lost all these places and we lost these communities and we lost these places to gather, and and all of a sudden it became extremely apparent how important they were. Um, uh, both to the economy and to 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 our communities. So I I, I think that that has been a a, a very great thing. Um, some of the the losses that I'm I'm concerned about are um, uh, you know the impacts on our workers. Um, we have lifelong industry workers who uh, have gone had to look for other jobs, um, and maybe those jobs provide insurance for the first time in their lives or or a, a decent salary that is regular. Um, so are we going to get those people back? We're going to see a, a, a lack of, and then also just the mental health toll on, on those folks who have been dealing with that. And then just to wrap up on that, the final thing is I, I totally agree with Tara about watching the community of the profession come together and help each other. Um, I do feel like one of the things we have lost, though, is the greater sense of community, um, of being able to go out, to be with other people who aren't our, our immediate friends, to be able to see um, uh, a diversity and to, to experience that. And so um, I do worry that uh, social media does not replicate the experience of being in a concert hall or in a venue and shoulder to shoulder with each other and, and that aspect of community. Um, and so that has been, I think, accelerated by, by this past year. Tara, can I ask you perhaps to follow up on, on what Scott was talking about with, with workers and also perhaps some of the mental health angle? The, the work that you and I did together on Global Nighttime Recovery Plan was very specifically focused on the plight of workers over the last year. And you came up with some uh, future-oriented uh, ideas in terms of picking some of the good strategies and solutions that communities and governments were trying to put forward? What, what are, were some of the things you identified in that process? Um, one of the things I think for us, even just to, trying to get the chapter together was really get, I mean, with these types of reports, metrics always is important. It's always good to have. Um, realizing that we didn't really have much to go on other than what we've you know, seen on the ground as far as our colleagues, as far as ourselves, our friends, and um, really trying to figure out, well, how can we gather that data on a global scale? I mean, it wasn't the most technical thing in the world, but just being able to, to have a survey and implement a survey to get some data to help really like develop, like get an understanding of what's actually happen happening because we are all so separate was really important and realizing that the importance of that moving forward, especially when it comes to wanting to work with governments and wanting to work with foundations or even just other businesses um, to be able to, to demonstrate that there are some serious metrics around um, who's employed in the nightlife industry specifically, which isn't something that's currently recorded, at least in, New in the United States, as far as like census data and things of that sort. 
And I think that's something that's really important um, for us to really trying to get an understanding of, of the night, the strength of nightlife. I mean, now we, we've seen it. I know that Michael, you've done some of this work around really trying to quantify the economic um, importance and impact of nightlife within a city. And even having that information too, I think is important for people to be able to advocate. Um, definitely organizing um, as workers, um, potentially unionizing or creating a worker center in order to really, um, you know, one of the things that we knew before the pandemic was that there was a, you know, while there's a sense of community and people are able to really find folks that are like them in terms of, again, you know, vulnerable, vulnerable groups who are targeted, being able to find community and family in nightlife, it still makes it, it's, 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 it was still a challenge for many people to be able to like earn a living wage. Um, and, and Scott mentioning this idea that yeah, like some people may not come back because of that is definitely of concern, which so having the ability to organize and really be able to advocate for living wages and other things that people need in order to thrive in life, I think is something that I would all, you know, we'd also, we also recommended should come out of this. Um, you know, it is, it's just, I think the way it works, especially it's a very kind of hustle type environment, especially if you're somebody who's just starting out as far as, you know, you might just do a gig for not a lot of money, or you might do, you know, the owner, he's going to do your, your trading. Um, but that in the long run, keeping that environment where people really aren't able to, you know, go past that and really earn a living wage doing this work is something that's a, a concern. So those are the two things, um, getting some metrics. I know they're not the most, they're not sexy, but getting some metrics, but then also getting um, workers organized, I think are two things that definitely we need to push and move forward and as we start to rethink nightlife. Yeah, I think those are great points. And um, I would say from my own experience, I'm a member of Philadelphia's Arts and Culture Task Force making recommendations to city council. And it's a, you know, there's opportunity meeting preparation is when things happen. So being out there in your community and trying to organize people and trying to measure what matters and trying to gather ideas from things like the global nighttime recovery plan and put like, you know, uh, tools in your toolkit so that you can approach uh, politicians, you know, with real solutions and approach them in numbers. Um, so we've talked about the, the, what's happened in the past year and let's look forward to the next year. And then after that, look forward to beyond. So um, Mike, you are in the live events industry and you have been, you know, trying to shift and adjust what you are doing and figure out what's next. What do you, um, what do you foresee is coming for you over the next year and how are you trying to adjust? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, we took this year off um, because the spirit of the festival is very much about being live, being in person, being in the same room. Um, and it just didn't feel right to do it digitally. Although we have, uh, we do have a weekly digital program where we're introducing international and US bands to our community. Um, but we have announced dates for next year. It's the March, it's March 9th through 13th. Um, but the biggest challenge is we don't really know what else to expect. I mean, are those venues still gonna be there next year? Um, can international bands cross the border without any problems? Um, I mean, what is the festival gonna look like? I mean, is it gonna be just a bunch of bands from New York and New Jersey? Um, I mean, all that is just, it's kind of really hard to wrap my head around at this point, but um, 
that said, I'm, I'm still super optimistic. Um, the vibes I'm getting from talking to the international music community is pretty good as well. So, I mean, fingers are still crossed, but March is looking good. Yeah, I, I'd say that the, the amount of optimism, despite all these things, I, I'm doing a research project right now with creative communities in, in the Middle East, in Iraq and Lebanon. In Lebanon, they had, this, they had a currency crisis. They had an explosion that destroyed all these venues. And the, the level of optimism that people express is like something you can almost only expect from, you know, the kind of dreamers who come into creative industries. Mm. Um, Scott, what are the kinds of things that your stakeholders are struggling uh, or, or opportunities they're seizing or things that they're trying to uh, use to approach the next year? Uh, well, hopefully, knock on wood, everything goes well tomorrow when the um, shuttered venues grant uh, reopens. <laughs> so um, that that's a that's something that we've all been waiting for. Um, I I think uh, uh, one thing that um, I not only for for the next year, but actually to to jump ahead and answer the further question, um, to. To Tara's point about um, the organizing and, the, and, and NEVA and the impacts of those, I think we're going to see a profound change to the industry in the fact that we are going to see a new political and activist force come out of these independent venues who have learned that collectively they are stronger together and that institute organizations like NEVA, like the Washington Nightlife and Music Association here in Seattle in Washington State, they're not going away. They have seen what they are capable of doing. And there are many other issues that they are recognizing need to be addressed uh, within the industry itself that was, as you said, broken before we even got here. So I, I'm very excited about unleashing that potential, what that's going to look like and, and what that's going to allow. And I think it's going to transform our, li our live music industry because I think we're that's going to be a counterbalance to the to the large like the you know the, the large touring and booking groups and the the people who sort of have a monopoly on the industry. Mm -hmm. um, yes, this, I, think, yeah. I think we'll see that change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking again. That was what when you mentioned that they are going to go past that you know the issues around all of these larger organizations like Ticketmaster, Live Nation, and you know that being a challenge to a lot of independent venues as far as being able to compete with that. Um, to see that the National Independent Venue Association, I realized for those who didn't know, we're like. No, if people, we get into acronyms, especially people who work in academics and government, we immediately go into the acronyms and real sometimes we don't remember that people may not know them all. Um, like seeing them and definitely come together um, and get you know, get bills passed and within a year, you know, of time, of years worth of time, I think that's a huge win for them. Um, I do think, yeah, they will continue going. Um, the importance of these venues in our communities, um, you know, just in the whole economy of nightlife, especially um, for me, I am, you know, I DJ in New York City and who books me? Independent venues. Like, you know, I, it's, that's just what, it, that's, that's really at the very, very base level of things. We need these venues um, and being able to see that you know them really realizing their power and growing that on a national scale is 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 really great yeah i'd like to jump in and just say beyond that too um i'd really like to see the cities get back into embracing the diy scene um 
New York City, especially Brooklyn, had a super vibrant DIY venue scene. Um, that's where I got my start. My partners and I, that's basically where we met. Um, and they're gone. You can't do it. It's just, it's impossible. I mean, I love the independent venues, but they're super baby bands. They also need somewhere to start. That's not necessarily reliant on bar sales or ticket sales. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, 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 that's going to be, that's going to be the future as well that, that, you know, well, we have all these new empty shop fronts, right? And so what do we put in there? How do, how do cities activate those spaces? Um, but also how do we get away from the alcohol, like you said, Mike, the alcohol reliant um, aspect and, and, and expand opportunities for more um, access by youth to- Lower rents. Yeah. I mean, that's really the issue is that even, you know, the, the, the DIY spaces came, spaces came out of, you know, they were in manufacturing areas, industrial areas. There's not a whole lot of manufacturing and industrial in New York. So these were, you know, they're, they're not going to, you know, they can't basically, you know, allow those spaces were able to slide in. But then when rezoning started to happen in New York and people started to realize the value of their property, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go and drop, you know, I'm going to get some investors. We're going to drop a few million dollars to do this. We're going to get the zoning on this plot of land changed and we're kicking you all out or we're going, or it's cool. Like in the case of, um, what is it? 285 Kent. Yeah. Uh, and now who occupies advice, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, okay. You know, so it's, it's, in New York, that's like infuriating to me, but um, I do think having lower rents, um, doing things to allow for those rents to remain stable. Um, New York City, for some time, it's starting to the the movement to commercial do commercialize rent stabilization is 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 has been growing. Um, it's quite a bit. You know, we're trying. They're trying to get something passed that will help. But I do think having a lower startup cost for the for young people, and so they're not so reliant on alcohol sales, and really can like grow a culture, grow a community, is really key. I think another simultaneous thing that needs to happen, and, and this is what I like to call it, you know, the effort to legalize music, is that um, music is limited to being in so few types of zoning and needs so many permits and clearances and all these other kinds of things to have the highest type of licensure for many reasons, for safety reasons that are very good reasons, but you combine that with a very competitive real estate market and you don't have you can't people can't get into the market and when people can't get into the market generally speaking there are many many communities in philadelphia who don't look at the management and at venues and say i see somebody who looks like me who understands me who wants to put my music on who feels comfortable having my community in their venue and they don't get their start in music because they have nowhere to go temporary licenses that are flexible and you can do things in public spaces. And like Scott said, there's a lot of unused space right now, presents a great opportunity, maybe the opportunity of a lifetime to reintegrate art and music into the city now that the deck is being totally reshuffled in terms of what is where. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they're trying to start that in New York now, I think like open culture. So at least like allowing cultural organizations and venues to do things out in the street. Um, so, I mean, this, it'll happen. It's going to start up soon. So it'll be interesting to see, but definitely it would be great to be able to access those, those storefronts. I mean, some of which have been vacant even prior to the pandemic. So it's like, you know, at what point are you just going to allow these to remain closed? Like, can we think of some more creative ways to activate these spaces and provide opportunities for people to really, um, you know, create culture? 
Yeah, we've been doing, a, we just started testing the waters on outdoor shows at 18th Ward in Bushwick. Um, it seems to be going all right, but it's like super stripped down. The, the brewery is, like, you know, being pretty cautious about sound levels and all that too. And I think that's another thing that just needs to be addressed is making music accessible, making it legal. Um, artists need to perform at least to their full capacity um, if we're going to have it outside and not have neighbors upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I <laughs> All the time, which I hate. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, and I and sort of going back to the idea of of cities beginning the baby steps of understanding that nightlife and music is a is a asset. Um, I hope you know we're seeing things like agent of change legislation that's appearing in different places to help with noise um, and mm -hmm. and to mitigate factors of new development coming in near near established um, nightlife. Um, and, and so I think we're, I hope that like right now our planning department and our, 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 um, SDI is, is looking at ways to make the permitting more nimble in some of these places and, and change of use be easier. Um, it needs to be more nimble, but, um, I think we're that, that again, this practice of, uh, it, it takes like something like this to get people to change their mindset and start doing that. And once they start doing it, they see that it's fairly easy. Like the, the, the sidewalk cafe stuff, that happened really fast. And for years, people said, oh, you can't do that. But then mm -hmm. it became a necessity and all of a sudden everyone realized how quickly you could. <laughs> so um, I, I think we'll see that in other areas. Absolutely. I think if anything that we've learned from the last year is that everything that we thought was set in stone was actually open for some interpretation when when the you know situation became fluid. So there, that and hopefully that the attention to the music sector and music space in the city and that spirit of um, flexibility are are two things that that endure because um, in every crisis an opportunity I suppose. Um, we're going to wrap up our panel here, uh, but before we do, um, we will all. Uh, give, uh, well, first off, I want to thank Amplify, and I want to thank all of you panelists for, for being here, um, and it's really nice to see you all, and may one day we, you know, get together in person. I can't wait. Um, we can put all of our contact information. If folks want to find you, we can uh, have our moderators put that up in the chat, so those of you who have joined us for our panel, can follow us uh, in our musical and professional and social media things. Um, Gigi says it's already there, so perfect. Um, but yeah, you know, in in some, it's it has most certainly been a year for rethinking because we've had a lot of time to sit on our own and think. So when we get back out there and we can spend time with each other, hopefully it is in a, a new and better world. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.